Welcome to Still Becoming, a podcast about how it's never too late to become more free, more yourself, or try something new. I'm Monica DiCristina, a wife, mother, and practicing psychotherapist. Through my own struggles with my anxiety years ago that led to my professional work as a therapist now, I am fascinated by the process of how we become who we are. We will explore the topics of becoming, of unbecoming, and overcoming through interviews, unpacking mental health topics, and stories. You are not designed to stay the same. Your story is still being written. We are all still becoming. You're listening to a Still Becoming Mental Health Check-In episode. These are short and topical and meant to take a mental health or well-being idea and bring it into an accessible, practical conversation. We are back with our first episode after an extended break from the podcast, and I'm really excited to be back with you. Today, we're talking about doing the thing you've been thinking about. I don't know what it is for you, but many of us or most of us have something we've been thinking about doing, and for a lot of reasons, we're not doing it. It can be as small as taking a walk every day. It can be as big as going back to school or sharing your creative work with the world or anything. It can be anything. And so today we're going to look at this idea and some of the things that keep us from it, some of the things we can learn about it, and we may end up in parts of this discussion that you don't expect. This is not a rah-rah, live your best life podcast episode. We just don't do that here. Those are great. It's just not what we do here. And so we're going to look at this in a lot of different angles. But before we dive in, a couple of things. If you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, I'm on a new platform, well, new to me, Substack, and I'm just loving it. The newsletter is now weekly and it's got all the old newsletters there, kind of like a blog in a way. The podcast will also be populated there. So I'll put the link in, in my bio and I would love to hang out with you there. In addition to that, if you haven't subscribed for the Here app, that's what I've co-created with another woman and it is taking one topic a month and two minutes of audio a day and breaking it down. And we're actually talking about this same topic all month. And so I'm really excited about it and I hope you'll join us there. I'll put the link in the bio too. So let's dive into doing the thing you've been thinking about. As we dive into today's content, we're first going to talk about it in uh, a few different ways and process it together. And then we are going to end with maybe a few sort of more practical takeaways and steps. So let's talk about doing the thing that you've been thinking about. I will have to say to start, if left to my own devices, I would live entirely in my head. So I would imagine my life without ever having to risk the feeling of failure or embarrassment. I really spend a lot of time thinking about things. I don't know about you, but I create a whole world of dreams and goals that I'm passionate about within my imagination. I've come up with so many ideas that I've never really shared with anyone. And the reality is it's just safer there, isn't it? It's a wonderful place to start. 
But so often we stop there and we wonder then why we feel so stifled and so frustrated and so stale. So often we stop, we keep the idea from coming to life. And even if it's just a small idea, and that ends up having a domino effect of us not feeling very good in our lives. So one of the things about therapy that you may or may not know is that I spend a lot of time with people's wishes, with their ideas, with their dreams, with their questions about their calling, with what they want to do or they want they want to try. It's really an honor. And so often they're idling at the starting line. And, and I can relate. You know, I've talked about on here how I didn't share my writing with the world for years, years before I was actually writing that. It took me so long to actually put it out into the world. What I see with people is that if they're idling at the starting line, they may also start walking away from the starting line and wringing their hands and walking back up to the starting line only to retreat again. This is really normal. Again, I relate. I'm not any different. We all do this. And this isn't failure. I think that's what's really important to talk about. It's just the human condition. It is very scary to begin. And that's one of the things I want us to think about today as we highlight maybe some less rah-rah, live your best life kind of ideas about this. It's very, very scary to begin. And nobody tells you that, I feel like. Maybe they do and I didn't hear them. (laughs) But it's really scary. It was so scary for me to start this podcast. Like, embarrassing scary, not cool Brene Brown vulnerable, like actually really, really scary. So the fear that we feel is usually about what could go wrong and what other people might think. It really is heartbreaking to see the power that judgment has on each of us. We fear it so, so deeply. It stems from the deep need to feel connected and to belong. That's really what I think is at the heart of our fear of judgment is this need to belong, which is healthy and normal. I believe it's the way we're created. I believe it's good. Um, But here's what happens is that we sometimes get the need to be connected and belong confused with the need to be accepted. And they are really, really not the same thing. So you may be deeply connected with only a few emotionally safe people in your life. And those people, you'll know they're emotionally safe because they allow you to grow and change. But being approved, quote unquote, by large groups of people or online or in person will never actually fill the void of being close to others. It feels like it will, right? It feels like if we get that approval, then we'll feel okay, but it's an itch that's really never satisfied. And so part of starting something you fear something you fear that other people will see or what they'll think about it is beginning to separate this very healthy need for connection and belonging from acceptance. So you can be lovingly connected to God and to other safe people and risk a lack of acceptance, risk judgment by other groups of people. And that is often what trying something new will require of you. It will feel hard. People will have opinions about it. But what's really important is for us to separate our need for connection and belonging as different than our need for approval and acceptance. When we fear losing approval and acceptance, it sends off alarm bells in the same part of our brain 
that the fight or flight center is because we are as humans, we need other humans and we need to stay connected. And so it's really scary to feel that. But what, what happens, I think what's helpful when we feel that is to remind ourselves that's acceptance and approval. That's different than connection or belonging. And as long as I have one or two people that I can connect to and belong to, I'm okay. I'm okay. And to tell that part of your brain that's signaling danger with you taking a risk, that you're okay. You can risk disapproval. It's not the same thing as belonging. So once we get the courage to try something, right, once we're sorting through this difference between acceptance and belonging, once we get the courage to try to not only stay in the discomfort of the starting line, but to actually start, because they're two different things, they're two different stages, we can begin to learn the lessons that only action, not thinking, only action can provide. What I've found over the years is that the magic of transformation is in the doing. And this is so unfortunate for people like myself who prefer to think and not do. The magic really is in action, not only starting the thing, but continuing. The magic happens, not necessarily in the success that we wanted. Because let me tell you, I really pictured things different than they are but in the lessons that can only be learned by experience. And maybe that sounds annoying, but it's so true. What we learn by doing the thing, whatever it is, isn't only that we can survive or even thrive by risking a lack of approval or judgment from other people, even them laughing at us, but we learn that we're worth the risk You are worth the risk. Your dream is worth the risk. There's a great amount of self-trust and confidence that can only be gained by doing something, by quitting the job, by starting the online business, by going back to school, by training for the marathon, by learning to bake, by saying no to people that you've always said yes to. And the foolishness that we feared feeling is so much smaller in comparison to the journey when we step into it. It turns out that the risk wasn't the vulnerability of the try. It really is never trying. That's the greater risk. Now, that might be a little bit of a rah-rah, a rah-rah take on this, I admit. But the never trying feels a lot worse than the vulnerability that you'll feel from trying. So when we start trying to do the thing, rather than fearing what others will think or fearing the outcome, we free ourselves to become more of who we were made to be. So this is another annoying thing, but very true about thinking versus doing. You can't become more and more who you're made to be just by thinking about it. Trust me, I've tried. I've really tried. But becoming and growing happens in the doing. It happens in taking the step, making the call, writing the email. It's worth it. Not because we're guaranteed an outcome that we want, but because of who we become in the process. The more you practice doing what you imagine, the more you'll feel courageous to do other things. It really is true. I see that all the time with clients. They say no to something or yes to something or they try something, 
suddenly all the other things feel a little bit less scary. They're still scary, but a little bit less. But you also develop compassion for others in similar boats. This is one of my favorite things I've experienced and seen about doing the thing. Once you know what it's like to put yourself out there in an arena that you haven't done that before, you really have compassion for other people doing the same thing. It's really, really easy to judge others when you sit on the sidelines. It really is. And it's just an unfortunate thing. But when you start the thing, big or small, your compassion for the courage and the grit that it takes for others to do something that's brave will make you an incredible cheerleader for other people. I have become um, so much more compassionate to anyone taking a risk after taking my own risks. I've seen that with clients. You know, and courage and compassion are two of the most loving, helpful companions in life. And when you start and do the thing, whatever it is for you, on the other side of that starting line is not necessarily the outcome you wanted. Okay, I I don't believe in this sort of magical thinking that doesn't take into account how gritty and messy life is. But what's on the other side of that is courage and compassion. Your courage will be contagious internally and externally. You'll become more courageous in other ways. And your courage will also encourage other people. But also that compassion When you try something that's vulnerable, whatever it is, whether it's wanting to run a marathon, whether it's wanting to publish a song, I don't know what it is for you, whether it's, you know, selling your baked goods online, whatever it is for you, you will have compassion for other people doing brave things. It's really a beautiful thing. And it's one of my favorite parts of all of this. You will also probably make new relationships when you do a thing. Maybe you are on some sort of journey where you're learning new information. You will meet other people on that journey that you wouldn't have met otherwise. You will make new relationships. And so what I've found after all these years of sitting with people up close in their dreams, their ideas, and their hopes is truly that it's always better to try. That's one of the things that may not be the coolest poster on the wall, but it's always better to try. People are always glad that they tried the thing, whatever it is. Maybe they learned, I hate this thing. I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe they learned, oh, I thought it was this, but it's actually that. There's an experiential knowledge that comes only with doing something. It's always better to do the thing whatever it is you're dreaming about. Now, I'm not saying do everything in the world. It's always better black and white to do a thing. But if you have something that keeps knocking on the door of your heart, it might be time to listen. It might be time to listen. As we learn lessons about ourselves in life that we could have never learned about ourselves otherwise. And though we think that the risk is only worth it if the outcome is what we want, what I find over and over again is that the lessons learned, the courage ignited, and the compassion for ourselves and for others grows, and that that's worth it, and that we realize we are worth more than we ever imagined. 
we realize that we are braver than we ever imagined. So in conclusion, before we get on to the more practical part of this, the good stuff is always on the other side of the starting line. It may be, wow, I don't like this, or I'm proud of myself for trying, but it's always better on the other side. And the good stuff can't be measured by success or failure. It's measured by you honoring yourself, honoring the calling you feel in your heart, and becoming more and more of who you're made to be. I find it's the gift to the doer. And I find it's always worth taking that risk. I thought it would be helpful now to switch gears a little bit and to talk about, okay, these are, maybe there's something that is compelling your heart. Maybe there isn't about what we just talked about, but gosh, how do I start the thing? What keeps us from pursuing a thing? So this is, you know, I'm putting my real therapist hat on here. One of the things that keeps us from pursuing a dream or idea or a calling is that we really, really are moving in all or nothing thinking. The way this plays out is that I have to be a published writer in order to write. Well, you know, one can't come before the other, right? Or I have to have this many followers on YouTube to publish my music. You know, all or nothing thinking is one of the biggest culprits to keeping us from trying something. I have to have this many people attend my class or it's not worth it. So how can we maybe make something a lot smaller? It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It just has to be a next step. One of the best ways to get to sidestep that all or nothing thinking that's really sneaky perfectionism, that's only good enough if it's perfect, is just do the next right thing, however small it is. Another thing that keeps us from doing the thing we're thinking about is imposter syndrome. Now, I'm sure you've probably all heard these terms. So imposter syndrome, really, I like this definition of it. It's perceived fraudulence. (laughs) Isn't that a great definition? Perceived that we are fraudulent, probably, you know, and that we don't belong and we have intellectual doubt and anxiety and it can even cause some depression. But imposter syndrome is often talked about when we've achieved something, like say someone got a promotion and they're worried that everyone will find out they're not really worthy of the promotion, quote unquote, in their fear. I'm not saying they're not worthy of it. This is a great example of imposter syndrome. But where I see imposter syndrome even more is before we get to the starting line. Who am I to do that? It's all been done before. It's all been said before. Nobody cares what I'm going to do. I don't have what it takes. All these things are examples of imposter syndrome. And so how do we get around imposter syndrome that keeps us from the starting line? Well, one of the ways is to go back to the difference between acceptance and approval and belonging. If we can separate those two things, it can help us find a safe place inside ourselves and relationally to fall back on. Another thing that can help us with imposter syndrome is to look at what it's really whispering. The subtext is that you're not worthy and you are worthy. Whatever it is, you are worthy right now without proving a single thing. So another thing that stops us is caring what others think. It's wrapped up in imposter syndrome. It's wrapped up in acceptance and approval. And I think that this is 
something that we're just going to have to embrace. You may worry about what other people think, but that shouldn't stop you. I think a lot of us have this magical idea that we're someday going to stop caring what other people think about us completely. If you have that magic pill, let us all know. But most of us will never find that. But the size of what other people think and the threat that we feel it poses to us will grow bigger or smaller with how much we feed it. So I think about fear and this fear of what other people think, just like something that's annoying in my backpack. It's kind of a weight. And sometimes I think about it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it feels like a feather. Sometimes it feels like a boulder. But it's just going to be there and it shouldn't stop us. Another thing or things that often stop us from doing the thing we're thinking about is self-doubt and shame. And it's really important to recognize these things because when we start to recognize them, we begin to separate our identity and our ability from them. When I don't separate myself from my self-doubt, it feels all-encompassing. But if I can separate it right now and put it, say, on my desk where I'm sitting and look at it, like, yeah, I really do doubt myself. I doubt that I have enough training to teach this or I know enough or I'm a good enough writer to write this. I can look at it as separate than my identity. And so a really important part about self-doubt is to remember like the fear of what other people think. You're probably going to have it. Like I wish I had maybe more of a rah-rah personality to tell you you may not have self-doubt, but I think it just doesn't serve us well to pretend like People walk around without that. Now, certainly there are some people that do. But if you spend some time reading about people you really admire, and if they're very honest, a lot of times you'll read about their self-doubt. They'll tell you that they have it, but they did the thing anyway. The other thing is shame. Now, we've talked about shame on here many times, but shame is very, very clear about when it's shame because it's all-encompassing about your identity. It's like a cloak that covers your whole self. And it's like, I'm just not good enough. I'm not this or that enough. I'm just unworthy. I'm unlovable. There's something wrong with me. And shame can really be triggered when we're trying a new thing, when we're risking something, even if it's just our own fear of failure. Shame comes for us. And so it's really important to recognize I'm in a shame spiral right now because I sent off this thing and I didn't hear a good response or I didn't get the job. And so, you know, a really important thing to do with shame is to separate the incident from your identity. So maybe things didn't go like you wanted them to do as you're trying to do the thing in your head, or maybe you're just still fearing it, but your identity, who you are is always separate from what you do. And that can be just a really grounding thing to return to hand to heart, even try it right now. I am okay. Who I am is okay. Antidote to shame is affirming your identity. And the other antidote to shame is call a friend. Call one safe person. Maybe it's your therapist. Tell your therapist in session. Bring it into the light. Whatever it is that you're feeling or fearing, that will make shame go away. So one of the things that's really important to remember and to think about with self-doubt, shame, and imposter syndrome is our self-talk. Self-talk is how we talk to ourselves. We may say things like, I'm so stupid, or I can't do this, or this will never happen for me. 
Sometimes the self-talk mirrors things that were said to us. Sometimes it doesn't. For some of us, self-talk is not verbal. It may be more of a feeling. So maybe sometimes when you hear people talking about self-talk, you don't recognize yourself in it because you don't actually say words to yourself, but you have a feeling that you're not good enough, a feeling that you are a failure. So one of the things that we can do is change the way we talk to ourselves. Now, I know that this may sound super cheesy, and I'm with you on that, but this is very, very powerful. The way we talk to ourselves can change our brains, and that's in large part because we are creating a new neural pathway. When you say something out loud to yourself that's positive and loving, your brain not only has to do the effort to say it, it then hears it, and that can start to create a new pathway in your brain. So instead of feeling or thinking I'm such a failure, saying out loud to yourself, I'm so proud of you for trying. I'm so proud of you for trying. If you say things like that to yourself regularly, you will notice a change. So what are three things that you could say to yourself? Maybe, I see your courage. I'm so proud of you for trying. Why not you? Or you are good enough. You're just as good as everyone else. Why not you? So as we continue this topic, let's look at fear encourage. So a lot of the fears that come up, we've talked about like judgment. We have to separate acceptance and connection. But we also fear failure. We fear that we will look stupid. We fear that people will laugh at us. We fear that we will be wrong. This is a big fear that comes up often. I was wrong to try that. We often equate things going well or being easy with being the right decision. And it's just not necessarily true. So we have to look at what we fear. I wonder for you, whatever it is you're thinking about doing, what is it that you fear? Take a minute to just think about it. What is it you fear? And you may know this, the annoying antidote to fear is courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. I'm sure you've heard that. Courage includes fear. It includes fear and doing it scared. It means taking the fear along with you. Now, one of the most important parts of courage that I don't hear talked about enough is to start with validating your fears. Validating your fears may sound like a funny place to begin with courage, But here's what I find that it does. When we validate, yeah, I'm really afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid that I won't like it. I'm afraid I won't succeed. I'm afraid I won't do a good job. I'm afraid of what could happen. We all of a sudden stop spending energy bottling our fears or pretending we don't have fears or even fighting them. We just validate them and say, okay, I hear you. I get why you're afraid of that. I get it. And fear now, scared parts of myself, you're just going to have to come along on the journey. So a big thing, when we identify what we fear, I wonder what it is for you. Validate the fear. And remember that courage is taking it along with you. Finally, it's important for me to say again that it is so scary to begin anything. 
even if it's as small as eating healthy for your body in a way that feels congruent for you or, um, you know, saying no to a project manager at work, it's scary to begin something new and we just have to embrace that and to do it scared. And one of the things that can help to do that is to remember the the difference between danger and our feeling of danger. Sometimes your brain and my brain don't know the difference between actual threat and real threat. You know, if there was a bear sitting right across from us, we would be potentially in danger. But sometimes doing something new or fearing the disconnection or disapproval really that we fear from other people or failing feels like a bear. And so one of the things that can help is remembering it is scary to do things and reminding your brain, it's not a bear. I'm just scared. Finally, as we wrap up this part of the episode, I want us to return to the idea that you can't become more and more who you're made to be just by thinking about it. Believe me, I have tried and it doesn't work. Becoming and growing happen in the doing. And it's worth it, not because of what we're guaranteed in an outcome, but because of who we become in the process. The magic is in the doing. And so finally, what I want to leave us with is honoring that doing by making time and space for it. Let's say you want to write. Make time to write and you may have so many responsibilities that you practically only have 10 minutes a day. But that 10 minutes matters. So whatever it is for you, make time. And the second thing is, this is very probably counter to some of the ways that I typically talk on this podcast, but is to set a date for accountability. What I've found is that when people have a date to do something by, they're more likely to do it. And this is because the accountability pushes us through our resistance to it. So set a date. I would like to have sent four emails by next Tuesday. You know, whatever it is for you, make time for it and set a date. Overall, I just want to encourage each of us that we learn lessons about ourselves in life that we could have never learned otherwise when we do the thing that we're thinking about and we think the risk is only worth it if we get the outcome we want. But I really find over and over again the compassion and the courage that we find is worth it. It's worth it to go on the other side of that starting line. If even just to learn more about who you are and to honor who you're becoming. As we wrap up today's episode, I know there are a lot of things that we couldn't get to and perhaps that I didn't name about your own experience, but I hope that you felt validated. I hope something resonated with you. And I hope that you will remember as you think about doing the thing that you've been thinking about, that you are worthy, your idea, desire, hope, calling, dream is worthy. On the other side of that starting line, you may not be guaranteed the all or nothing perfect outcome, but you will most likely find courage 
compassion, maybe even companionship. And you'll become more and more of who you're made to be. I will be trying my next thing too and taking my self-doubt with me and cheering you on as we both try to courageously do the thing that we're thinking about. For more information, please visit monicadecristina.com where you can sign up for my regular newsletter or follow along on Instagram. You can find me at monicadecristina. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Still Becoming wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you heard here today. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. Thank you.